and I want to drink my morning coffee, do I first have to go out and make sure that the chickens have food in their little food bowl and in their water dispenser? I said, that's a good question. I don't know. So, of course, my wife made sure before she drank her morning coffee, she went out and made sure that flour and clover had some chicken feed and uh, some water in their, in their appropriate uh, respective receptacles. But that's what we'll discuss tonight. Is that actually necessary? What are the parameters of the prohibition against feeding, feeding the, the animals, before, against eating, feeding yourself before you feed before you feed your animals. So, quite serendipitously, the tshuva, the first tshuva that we're going to begin tonight, the tshuva of Rabbi Amichai, actually deals with, actually deals with feeding the, actually deals with this question of, of feeding the, feeding the, feeding yourself before feeding chickens. He's actually discussing chickens, and that is what we are going to, that is what we're going to discuss tonight. So we begin, his, his question is, a, a person who is raising chickens, is he obligated to provide food for the chickens before his own eating? So he discusses several aspects. Yes, Simcha? So are you allowed to like, feed your baby before you feed the chickens? Simcha has an interesting question. He wants to know about feeding. Can one feed his own baby before feeding chickens? He can't, even if we say you can't feed yourself before feeding chickens, does that mean you can't feed a child or an infant before feeding animals? I'm not actually sure. That's an interesting question. Uh, didn't, didn't encounter that in the preparation I did for tonight's share, so I'm not actually sure. So Rabbi Michai wants to know, Mamish, our question, can you eat before you feed your chickens? So, first question, is the prohibition against, against eating before feeding animals, is that a biblical prohibition or a rabbinic prohibition? And the truth is, as he's going to explain, it's not clear that it is strictly a prohibition at all. The Gemara, the Gemara discusses, some say it's only, the Rambam implies it's only a question of midas chasidus, good midos, uh, a kind of erlichkeit and refinement, it's not strictly a prohibition, although most postcoms seem to assume it is a prohibition. Before we proceed any further, let's briefly take a look at the two classic Talmudic discussions about eating before, eating before uh, feeding animals. One is a Gemara in Brachas, and one is a Gemara in Gitten. The Gemara in Brachas is discussing the halachas of hefsik, of not interrupting between, by speaking between making a motzi and eating bread. So the basic rule is you're not allowed to interrupt bimafsik, we all know this, between hamotzi, any bracha, and eating bread, any bracha, Simcha points out, and bread. But the one exception, the one hefsik that is allowed, b'dyevet, even l'chavchilo sometimes, is, is speaking about something that is necessary for the purpose of eating. So for example, if the food needs salt, or the, you, you pick up the Gemara says, you say, have melach, if, if, you, if you're mafsik to say, I need salt for this bread, Ideally, you should get the salt beforehand, but if, but if you realize after a motif there's no salt, and you say, Havei Melach, that is, uh, then that is, it's Machlokis in the Gemara, but we paskin that the that Havei Melach, Einat Zarech Levarech, it's not a hefzik. What about Gobelaturi? What if you say, feed the cow, before you, 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 you say, Hashem, Melach, Oh, wait, feed the cow. So, again, Gemara brings Machlokis, and we paskin, govulature, enatzarach levarech. Govulature, feed the cow, is not a hefsik. Why not? Because Rav said, 
Your person is not allowed to eat before he feeds his animal. Source for that, We say this several times a day in Kriyashma, the second parish of Kriyashma. At first, Hashem provides for the animal, then you shall eat. That's not just the way God does it, apparently. That's an imperative upon us as well. We are obligated to take care of the cows before we feed the cows, before we eat ourselves. Ligmar's language is usr. That sounds like it's actually usr. That's why it's not a half-sick. So Ligmar uses the words usr. You're not allowed to eat before feeding the cow, and that's why saying feed the cow is not a half-sick between hamotzi and eating the bread. Ligmar and Gittin. Ligmar and Gittin is more of an agarata Ligmar. Ligmar and Gittin relates an anecdote that the that Geneva, a certain Chacham named Geneva, was a guest at the house of Ravun and Ravchista, and they offered him something to eat. They said, will you eat something? So he said, I can't eat, because, again, Rav said, the same member of Rav, a person not allowed to eat anything, not allowed to taste anything, until he gives food to his animal. Same Pasuk, and only afterward, so one Gemara is discussing eating, uh, being mafsik, interrupting between hamotzi and eating the bread in order to give orders for feeding the cow. Other Gemara is discussing a story about Gneva. Both of them mention the statement of Rav, a person is not allowed to eat before providing food for his animals. There is one critical distinction between the two Gemaras. The Gemara in Brachos, the language is, the Gemara says, You're not allowed to eat. The Gemara in Gittin says, the same member of Rav, apparently, but there it says, there it says, in Gittin the language is, A person's not allowed to taste anything. And indeed, we'll see as we go, there is actually a major machlok sachronim, whether the prohibition against eating before you feed the animals is only eating a real meal, eating a substantial amount of food, or it means literally yitam. You can't taste food. You can't. You can't take a bite. You can't do anything before. You can't take anything. You can't do anything before uh, feeding the cows. And that would be the first question relevant to my wife's question. If you drink coffee, if you're not eating bread, if you're just taking something uh, something small, you're not eating a real meal. Is that a again? How do we define teima and achila, kashir kebeya? Maybe other ways to define the difference. But that's the first question. Is the prohibition against eating before feeding animals? Real eating, full-blown achila, or even te'ima, this seems to be a contradiction between the two Gemaras, and the achronim disagree about this question. In any event, though, both Gemaras use the language of usr, that you're not allowed to. And as we said, most poskim assume pshuto kamashmo, it's actually usr, it's a prohibition. What's less clear is whether the prohibition is daraisa or midrabana. So Rabbi Amichai brings the Rambam, who seems to say it's not a prohibition at all. The Rambam, in the end of the laws of Avadim, the laws of slaves, the Rambam says, adin, that what, it is true the Torah prohibits a, a very high standard of, of, uh, of, of decent conduct toward a Jewish slave, not such a high standard vis-a-vis a non-Jewish slave. There are certain, you, you, can't, you can't beat the slave and abuse him, but in terms of making him work hard and certain other things, the laws are more liberal with regard to non-Jewish slaves. However, the Rambam says, even though that's true, even though it is an explicit Gemara, explicit Pasuk, that you're allowed to make your non-Jewish slave work b'farach, work really hard, even though that is the halacha, technically, if somebody wants to behave with chasidus, and the ways of the wise, those who are, again, wise doesn't just mean you know mathematics, wise means that you have 
you know terror, you know, you know, you know the true chachma that brings to good midas, that a person should be a rachman, should be compassionate, verodif tzedek, should pursue justice and equity, and he should not make his slaves work that hard, he should not make them suffer, he should feed them well, he should treat them well in general. And as an example, he says, harishonim, the early sages, the sages of the Talmud, they would do two things that illustrated their, their compassion and their refinement and their decency toward their dependents. One is that they would give their servants, their slaves, from every dish they would cook. They wouldn't just give him the junk, the cheap stuff. They would give him from every, every dish they would eat. They would share some of it with their servants. Also, they would feed their, their animals and their slaves before they ate themselves. So that's an example, the Rambam says, of Midas Chasidus and Darche Chachma. Rambam seems to be implying that it is not Din. It's a question of the, the Rambam says, Midin. The Rambam seems to say, Midina, these things would be mutter. These are examples of refined conduct, pious conduct, Midas Chasidus, and Darche Chachma. So that may be what the, what the Rambam says. However, it, is, it seems to be against the simple reading of the Gemara. Other postkim, other postkim seem to assume that it is Asur Mikra Din. The Maram of Rattenberg, or Mayor of Rattenberg, cited by the Postkim, seems to say it's Nishud Daraisa even. He learned from a Pasuk. He, he, can, he contrasts it to the prohibition against eating before Havdalah. Eating before Havdalah is Nishud Rabbanan. Eating before you feed your animal, that's Nishud Daraisa. And the Gemara learns it from a Pasuk. So sometimes we say it's only an Asmachta, but uh, often we say if the Gemara brings a Pasuk, that's a Din Daraisa. That first, first food for the animals and then, and then food for you. There are other poskim, though, who say it is only an Isser Drabanan, the Shvos Yaakov. The Shvos Yaakov has a major tshuva on our topic, and the Shvos Yaakov concludes in a, in a kind of parenthetical note at the end of the tshuva, the Shvos Yaakov says, even though the Taz seems to say it's an Isser Daraisa, he says, no, it's not an Isser Daraisa, it's an Asmachta Baalma, sometimes the Gemara brings Psukim, it's just uh, an allusion to the Torah, Rambam calls Asmachta simply a mnemonic device, the Torah used, uh, the Chazal used a literary reference as a way of... Uh, Referring to their Xera, other Rishonim say the Torah actually meant it uh, on some level, although it's not a full-blown Din Daraisa. But whatever it is, the Shavuos Yaakov says it's only Drabanan, although some other poskim, Rav of Rattenberg, one of the great Rishonim, seem to say that it is Daraisa. So that is, the, that is the first step, that we have three positions among the poskim about how do, how do we view this prohibition against eating before feeding animals. Some say it's Nisud Daraisa, some say it's Drabanan, and some say it's not strictly Asr at all. The Gemara uses the word Asr. It's not strictly Asr. It is just a Midas Hasidus. It's just an example of pious conduct, uh, of, uh, of uh, the refined conduct that the Torah expects to the pious. Rabbi Grossman? Yes. Yes, good point. So Aaron is, Aaron is raising the question, if it, certainly if it is Daraisa, and it comes from the Pasuk of Venasati Eseb Behema, in the narrow sense, typically means domesticated animal, cow, sheep, donkey, and so on. Um, does that apply to birds? Does that apply to non-domesticated animals? Does that apply to chickens? Chickens are domesticated, they're not animals, they're birds, in the narrow sense of Behema. That is an excellent question, and we are indeed going to get to that later. That is going to be in the tshuva of, that is the main subject of the tshuva, one of the main subjects of the tshuva of Rav Yaakov Emden, which we will hopefully get to soon. The Rabbi Amichai 
does not uh, get involved in that. But the, the, that is a very important question, and yes, we will touch on that a little bit later, hopefully. So the first, the first third, the first section of Rabbi, Rabbi Michai's discussion is, he points out, it's machlokis, whether this is din daraisa, din drabanan, or simply midas hasidus. Second, second portion of his tshuva. What is the rationale of the iser? This is always a thorny question. On the one hand, we say we're not durish time of the krah. When the Torah says something is usher, certainly if it's a din daraisa, we don't always view it as our prerogative to try to figure out what the reason is. We can certainly speculate. Rambam, Sefer Achinuch, wrote entire works discussing reasons for mitzvahs. On the other hand, you know, the, the idea of lo darshin and tamad means that we don't necessarily uh, place halachic weight on the reasons. We don't necessarily use the reasons in a, in, in, to, you know, to make halachic arguments. But anyway, Rabbi Michai decides he's going to enter into the question of what is the reason for this prohibition. So he brings from the Sefer Haredim. Sefer Haredim was, a, was an important 16th century work. The Sefer Haredim says that the reason is, probably the reason that most of us would assume the reason is, the common sense reason, the reason is because of Tsar Balechayim. The Gemara discusses in a number of places the prohibition of Tsar Balechayim. The Gemara actually has a, a running debate whether Tsar Balechayim is Darais or Drabanan. It's Machlok Zaposkim whether Tsar Balechayim is Darais or Drabanan. Tsar Balechayim is an interesting idea. It's a clear value of the Gemara. The Gemara clearly says that Tzar Balachayim is Usr, either Daraisa or Drabanan. It's not so clear what the source is. Some say it's Daraisa. If it's Daraisa, some root it in the Psukim of, of Prekentina, of helping a person with an overloaded animal. There are other sources that have to do with Tzar Balachayim. Rav Asher Weiss has a famous doctrine, uh, what he calls Ratzon HaTorah, that sometimes we have a clear sense of a value the Torah has, which we can infer you know, indirectly from other mitzvahs, from specific halachas, and we, we, we therefore have the right to... That creates, a, that, that creates a, a, halachic, a halachically binding value even beyond the specific, uh, the, the specific technical requirements of various mitzvahs. One of his examples he gives is Tzar Balachayim. There may not be an absolutely compelling individual postic that tells us Tzar Balachayim is Asr, Shiloh HaKain, Oso Vespino, there are various mitzvahs that are often interpreted by Rishonim to be refer- or Gemara even sometimes as references to Tzar Balechaim. Rav Asher says that's clearly the Ratzonat Torah. The Torah may not have articulated it in so many words. Clearly we, that emerges as a value of the Torah. So the Sefer Haredim says the reason for the prohibition against eating before feeding animals is because it is Tzar Balechaim. And he brings a, uh, a powerful story about that Rizal. He says that Rizal once looked at the face of a certain Talmud Chacham and he says, I see on your face that you have the Avera of Tzar Balechayim. And this Talmud Chacham was very disturbed by this. He, he couldn't think of how it would be that he, he would never hurt a fly, apparently. So he couldn't think of how this could be that he violated Tzar Balechayim until he remembers his wife. His wife didn't feed the chickens in the morning before uh, she didn't feed them right away. She let them wander around in the, in the yard and, and eat cicadas or whatever they were finding in the yard. Apparently chickens like cicadas. But if it's not during the 17-year period, they have to hunt and peck for their, uh, their little things they eat. So this was Tzar Balechayim, not giving the chickens food properly, letting them fend for their own for a while in the, in the yard. That's the Avera of Tzar Balechayim. So he promptly, uh, he, he called his wife and he said, please make sure you give them their, their chicken feed, their bran and their water in the morning right away. And uh, then the Rizal looked back and he said, oh, I see now, without having heard of this conversation, he said, now I see that Vera has been erased from your face. 
And this was, I guess, a sign of Darizal's great uh, prophetic power, great spiritual power. But you also see the, the, the point he's bringing is that you see the importance of the Tsar Balechayim, of the not feeding animals on time. Doesn't even say she ate first or he ate first, but not feeding them right away in the morning, that causes them Tsar. And uh, the prohibition against not feeding them, we understand, is related to Tsar Balechayim. So, so Rabbi Michai argues, though, he says, you don't need Rav to tell you that, you, that, that, that that's Tzar Balakhaim. We know that if, if the animals are hungry, it's Tzar Balakhaim. And we know Tzar Balakhaim is Ostrom, and Daraisam, and Drabanan. It's, uh, we, know, we, know, we know that's an issue. So what exactly is the Chiddush of this din that you can't feed them first? Well, what, what is unique about this, uh, about this, about this halacha? Rabbi Michai explains that the halacha here is, we're not talking about an animal that's actually hungry. We're not talking about an animal that's, that's starving and that's looking at you pitifully and that's, that, that needs to eat, and you're saying, no, no, wait an hour until I have my lunch. Of course that's Asr, that's Tzar Balechayim. We're talking about a case where the animal is not necessarily hungry right now. The animal ate recently, the animal is busy, the animal is having a good time. Nevertheless, the Torah says, we want you to feed the animal before you eat yourself, because we want to establish a routine, we want to establish a, a set of best practices to make sure the animal never goes hungry. We don't want to wait till the animal is hungry before telling you, okay, now you have Tzar Balechayim, now go feed it. We want to make sure that built into your household routine is that you will always feed animals before you eat yourself. That will result in making sure the animal always has its food and you don't get to the point that the animal is in pain, is suffering hunger pangs. He brings a very interesting machlokas between the Teferis Yisrael, the commentary on the Mishnah, and the Teferis Yaakov. The, the Mishnah in Shabbos says that when there's a fire, so Chazal limited what you can do, as we discussed, I think, previously, Fires in Chazal weren't considered life-threatening as long as you get people out of the house. The houses didn't burn as quickly, they were spaced apart, whatever it was, they were stone. So the fires weren't considered automatically pikuach nefesh. Chazal limited, with an Arab, without an Arab, Chazal limited to what you can do in terms of rescuing property from the house. People, obviously, you can rescue, but property, where it's just a question of hefs and mammon, just a question of financial loss, Chazal limited what you can, what you can rescue, limited in, in quantities of stuff, so the Mishnah says you can save on Shabbos mazon shalosh tuidos, food for three meals, because you're supposed to eat three meals on Shabbos, Friday night, Shabbos day, Sudash Lishis. And the Mishnah goes on, haroi la'adam la'adam, haroi la'behema You can three meals of animal food, three meals of people food. So the Teferis Yisrael says, a person has a mitzvah of, of shalosh tuidos to eat three meals on Shabbos. The animal has no mitzvah of, of, of shalosh tuidos. An animal doesn't have to eat shalosh tuidos on Shabbos. Animal, you're supposed to feed the animal, make sure it's not hungry. But what is this about three meals for the animal? Since when does an animal need three meals on Shabbos? So the Tefer Israel says, you know why you can rescue three, three animal meals? Because you can't eat any meal until you feed your animal. You can't eat breakfast until you feed your chicken breakfast. You can't eat the Friday night meal until you feed your chicken Friday night meal. You can't eat shalashudas until you feed your chicken shalashudas. So therefore, the Tefer Israel says, if you're going to need to eat three meals on Shabbos, your animal has to eat three meals on Shabbos. So you can rescue three meals of people food, and you can rescue three meals of chicken feed, because your animal needs three meals the same way you do. Not because, not, not inherently, but because you can't eat your three meals until the animal eats three meals. The Tveris Yaakov is not happy with this. He says, really? Just because you have to eat three meals, does that really follow that the animal has to eat three meals? That's not true, he says. He says, you have to feed your animal whatever the animal needs, he says. It's true that if the animal needs food, you can't eat until you feed the animal, whatever time of the day it is. But if you fed your animal, your animal gets fed twice a day, once a day, whatever it is, six times a day. 
whatever, whatever the normal schedule for the, for the animal is, whatever you normally feed it, whatever the animal needs, assuming you're taking care of your animal property, properly, and the animal has enough to eat, and you decide to have a meal, some other meal during the day, is that really true that you have to feed your animal first? He says, he says, uh, there's no such halacha. If it's time for the animal to eat, and it's time for you to eat, then the animal has to go first. But there's no rule that just because you want to have another meal, the animal has to have another meal as well, and therefore, he, he rejects this idea of the Teferis, of the Teferis Yisrael. The, the Rabbi Michai wants to explain that, no, that the, the idea is not that the animal is hungry, and yeah, that's why you have to feed it. For that, you don't need, you don't need, the, you don't need the special Chiddush of the Gemara. The animal is not hungry. But the system is, the Chazal, the Torah, the, the Torah wants you to devise a system that any time you eat, you have to feed the animal. Because, not because the animal's hungry. The animal has enough to eat when you feed it twice a day or once a day, whatever it is. But the Torah establishes a routine you cannot eat until you feed the animal. So, not because the animal is necessarily hungry right now, but because the Torah wants you to arrange your routine in such a way that, 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 that we have a system built in, the animal will not go hungry. Because, the, because you have to make sure that the animal has, that the animal, has a, that the animal will always be fed in a routine and regular way, to, uh, to in, in a routine and regular way, so of course, if it's, so, 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 so there's no halacha that you literally can't eat until the animal eats, but there is a halacha that you have to make sure the animal is fed in a regular and routine way, not just wait to see if the animal is suffering hunger pangs and say, oh, tabra I have to go feed it. You have to make sure the animal is fed routinely. Halacha lamaisa. So what is the so what is the halacha in terms of feeding the chickens? He says, Rabbi Michai. Therefore, based on the above, his opinion is as follows. He says, in a uh, industrialized chicken feed situation, where, you, where, the, where there are machines, there are systems that feed the chickens automatically, that empty stuff into that, pour stuff into their chicken bowls and whatever they need it, he says, and no human intervention, no human activity is necessary, then you don't have to worry. You can go around eating, even if the chickens have no food right now, if there's a system that will dispense food when necessary, again, you've designed a system that will make sure the chickens don't go hungry, that feeds the chickens as necessary, that's fine. You can eat even if uh, you haven't gone out right now and fed the chickens. However, he says, a person like us who has Tarnagolim or sheep, he says, we don't have sheep yet, maybe sheep will be a, uh, on the next project, but, uh, but if a person who has chickens in his yard and he doesn't have any kind of highfalutin automatic feeding system, he says, then yes, before you eat, you have to make sure that the chickens are fed. So again, it sounds like he's even sympathetic to the Tavares Israel, but every time you make you have a meal, you have to go out and make sure the chickens are fed. Every single meal. Again, if they have, if they have stuff left over in their little uh, feed thing from the morning, I don't know if you have to add more food. If the food is sitting there, they can, they can eat it whenever they want. There's no mitzvah to, uh, to, go, add, uh, to go add more. But uh, if you don't know if there's enough, or if they might have eaten it since breakfast, according to the Rabbi Michai, it sounds, based on the Tavares Israel, it sounds like there's a real case to be made. Anytime a person eats, he has to go out I, I've never really had a dog, or, or I've never really had pets that need to be fed. I have no idea what the minig is. If people actually, three times a day, every single time they have a meal, they go out and they provide some food for their dogs. I, I don't know what people do. That seems to be what the Tavares Israel is claiming, that every time a person has a meal, he has to go out and uh, provide some food for his animals. I'll call upon him. That is Rabbi Michai's position, that the, he takes for granted that the, that the prohibition against eating before you feed your animals applies to chickens. As, as Dr. Saipa said, we'll, 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 he takes that for granted. We'll see soon. It's not so simple, but he, assume, he takes for granted it applies to chickens. He's working within the framework that it's based on Tzar Balechayim, which he takes for granted applies to chickens as well as to any other animal. Even if the animal is not suffering right now, 
the, the, the mitzvah of feeding them first still applies. The mitzvah is to make sure that you feed them regularly in sync with your own feeding, with your own eating, to make sure that you never reach the point where the animals are actually going hungry. Going back now to a couple of the earlier tshuvas. So the, the Shvaz Yaakov, or Yaakov Reischer, one of the great early poskim of several hundred years ago, he was asked the following question. We mentioned this question earlier. The two Gemaras that discuss the Isser of eating before feeding animals. One Gemara says, Asr Lechel, you're not allowed to eat. The other Gemara says, Asr Litam, you're not allowed to taste. Tima is, is, is generally a much, uh, a much stricter halacha. That Asr Litam means you can't even eat a small amount. You're not even a full-blown meal. So which is it? That's what they asked the Shavas Yaakov, which is it? You can't eat a full meal, you can't even eat Tima. So again, neither the Shavas Yaakov's correspondent nor the Shavas Yaakov himself defines exactly what he thinks Tima means. This is discussed in other areas of halacha. But uh, so for now, we'll, we'll, we'll just use the terms in a somewhat undefined way. Achila is a more substantial eating, quantity-wise, maybe other ways. Te'ima is a, is, a, is a less substantial eating. Saying te'ima zasir would be a much stricter interpretation of the halacha, even mere te'ima zasir. Says the Shavos Yaakov, this is an old question. This is a machlokis between the Beis Yosef and the Taz. Again, the, the halachas of animals are not brought down directly in Shulchan Aruch. The, there, 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 there is no general simon of uh, organized simon of the halachas of, of, of animals. Again, there are modern svarim that organize these halachas, but in the classic Shulchan Aruch, we don't have any kind of organized uh, discussion of, of, of treating animals. This machlokis that Shavuz Yaakov refers to is in Shulchan Aruch Arachayim, Simon Kufsa Machzayin, which is the laws of Hamotzi. That's where the laws of the, of the Gemara and Brachas are brought down, the question of Hefzik, what types of talking between Hamotzi and eating the bread is considered a hefsik, what's not a hefsik? That's where the Gemara says that, again, it's machlokis, but we pass him that saying, gavalutura, saying feed the cow, feed the chicken, is not a hefsik. So the Beis Yosef, when he quotes that halacha, he says, gavalutura, feed the cow, is not considered a hefsik. Why not? Because it's connected to the hamotzi that you're going to eat. Kivan, sha'asir litom, you're not allowed to taste anything, you're not even allowed to taste even a small amount, apparently, until you feed your animal. So the Beis Yosef paskins, that even Te'ima is Asr. The Taz disagrees. The Taz says, no, the Gemara and Brachus says, Asr Lechel, you're not allowed to eat. Lechel means more than Te'ima. So why does the Beis say Te'ima, he says? The Gemara says Asr Lechel. The Taz completely ignores the fact that the Gemara in Gittin says Asr Litam. We mentioned there are two Gemaras. The Gemara in, in Brachus, where this halacha is brought down, says Asr Lechel, you're not allowed to eat. But the Gemara in Gittin says Asr Litam. So, that's a, he, so the Taz doesn't mention the Gemara in Gittin. The Taz sticks to the Gemara in Brachos, which is really the more directly relevant Gemara. And he says, no, the Isra is only Asr Lechel, not Asr Litom. Says the Shavos Yaakov, this is a Machlokas, Taz, and Beis Yosef. The Shavos Yaakov then spends the rest of the Tshuva exploring the position of the Taz. How can the Taz forget the Gemara in, uh, in Gittin? And so on. He goes back and forth. His conclusion is, he says, the Ikar is Kedaz and Beis Yosef that even te'ima is asr, that, 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 that even, even a small amount is asr, not just a substantial achila. The Shavos Yaakov says that even te'ima is asr, you can't even eat a small amount before taking, care of your, before taking care of your cow. He says, I, the Taz, says the Pasuk, one of the Taz's points is the Pasuk, this is all learned from a Pasuk, the Pasuk says, only after, 
Your achila comes after your, your behemoth's achila. Says the Shavuz Yaakov, we mentioned this earlier, that's not a raya. This is not a real drusha deraisa to begin with, he said. It's only an asmachta. Once it's only an asmachta, we don't need to get so hung up on the exact wording of the Pasuk. It's anyway only a, a, a loose drusha. It's not a rigorous drusha deraisa. It's only a loose drusha. So it's really only a dindrabanan. And because the Gemara in Gittin makes it clear that even Tima is Aser, the Shavuz Yaakov says that is the Iker Lahalacha, even Tima is Aser, and therefore we have a problem. So, again, so getting back to my wife's question, can you drink the coffee before, the, before feeding the animal? So one hetzer would be because it's only te'ima, but that's machlokist. The Beis Yosef and the Shavuz Yaakov say aser, the Taz says mutter, but there are, there are major akron who say aser, and therefore that is not, a, uh, that is not a, necessarily a solid hetzer. Related hetzer, some poskim discuss. There is an idea brought by some poskim that eating is aser before feeding your animal, Drinking is not usher before feeding your before giving your animal to drink. At least I'm not actually sure about drinking before giving your animal to eat, but at least when it comes to your drinking and the animal's drinking, there are those who say that it is not usher, and they argue based on a pasuk in this week's parsha. It says that when when the Jews were thirsty, Hashem said, "Go speak to the rock, and it will give water." And Hashem said, "Vishkisa es ha'eda you will give to drink the nation and their animals. So the implication is that the nation will drink before the animals, the people will drink before the animals. So there are those who say that when it comes to drinking, you can drink before, so you can drink your coffee before putting water in the, before putting water in the animal's water bowl. Again, what about, what about your drinking before the animal's food? Not actually sure about that. But, but anyway, this, this potentially would be another hatter, maybe another hatter of drinking before giving the animal to drink. If you're just taking coffee, you're not eating cereal or pancakes or anything else you eat for breakfast, that would be another possible hetzer. The chuvas we're discussing tonight are not going to get into that, so I'm not going to get more deeply into that, but potentially that's one other hetzer worth looking into, whether the prohibition against eating before feeding animals extends to drinking. Yes? So, so Max is raising an interesting argument that even if, we, even if we assume that in principle you shouldn't be allowed to eat or drink before attending to your animals, but in some cases eating or drinking may itself enable, facilitate the feeding of animals. If you don't have enough energy or, you, or, or you're, not, uh, you're too lightheaded, you won't be able to function properly, maybe it's uh, a necessary step for sometimes for taking care of the animals. Interesting argument. Would, would that itself be a hetter? If, 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 if if, assuming that's actually the case, would that itself be a hetter? An interesting idea. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a plausible svara. It, it, it makes sense. It, it is a chiddush. I'm not sure I would say that on my own. But it is something worth considering further. I don't see any discussion of that in my sources tonight. But that is, uh, that is an interesting question. So the final tshuva I want to see, at least briefly tonight, is a tshuva of Rav Yaakov Emden. Rav Yaakov Emden, and, and this, will get, this will bring us back to Dr. Cypress's point about the about chickens, whether, whether the whole prohibition applies to chickens in the first place. 
Rebekah Emden was essentially asked that question, not about chickens. He was asked about cats or dogs. People have cats and dogs. Does the prohibition, the Gemara talks about behemoth, animals, domestic animals, the, the Pasuk has in mind probably oxen or sheep or donkeys. Does the prohibition of the, of the Torah of Chazal, does it apply to cats and dogs as well as other animals? So Rav Emden's correspondent did not explain what his question was, why he thought it shouldn't. So Rav Yaakov Emden proposes a variety of possible reasons and proceeds to evaluate them as to why cats and dogs might be different. His first one is, he says, Behemoth. As Aaron said before, the Torah says Behemoth. So a cat and a dog is not a Behemoth. Says Rav Yaakov Emden, he thinks actually a cat and a dog are a Behemoth in this context because there is a, there is a mission in Kilayim that says a dog is a form of Chaya. And elsewhere the Gemara says Chaya is a form of behemoth. So, Rebecca Emden feels that in the terminology of the Torah, the terminology of Chazal, behemoth understood in the broad sense, again, behemoth in the narrow sense is only domestic animal, but Chazal say that behemoth is often more inclusive. Behemoth can include chaya as well, like deer and so on. And since the Gemara says, Kelev is min chaya, Rebecca Emden puts them together, and by some kind of transitive rule, he says it follows that, the, that Kelev is a form of behemoth, Therefore, he thinks that Kelev is a form of behemoth. Even Ophi says, even birds are a form of behemoth for the, in general, he says, in halacha, particularly with regard to Tzar Balechayim. As uh, he brings a Gemara that says Tzar Balechayim has an issue of Tzar uh, Balechayim. So, Rebekah Ramdan does take for granted, like Rav Michai does, he raises the issue, but he says, halacha, he doesn't have much doubt that Behema in this context should be construed very broadly. Other types of animals, non-domesticated animals, wild animals, even birds, should be considered behema, and therefore the prohibition against eating before feeding animals should apply to chickens as well. Then he says, maybe, maybe, maybe you're wondering, maybe, 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 maybe you, you're not sure whether the prohibition applies to cats and dogs because they don't do work. He says, maybe the, maybe the reason the Torah wants you to feed your animals is because they work for you. It's a two-way street. They provide economic value for you. They work for you. So the Torah says you should reciprocate and feed them and feed them before you eat yourself. Cats and dogs don't really work. They don't plow. They don't plow and, and, and do agricultural work. So maybe, he says, the prohibition doesn't apply to them. Says Rebekah Emden, no. He thinks that even if we, even if we accept, again, who said that the, the prohibition is related to work? Maybe it's just a simple question of Sarah Balakayim. But Rebekah Emden says, even arguendo, even if we assume like you that the prohibition has to do with the fact that the cows and the, and the sheep work for you, or you get, you get economic value from them, still, he says, he thinks dogs and cats would fall to the same category. Why? So he says, dogs, he says, cats, cats are very busy. They're mousers. They, 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 they catch the mice, he says. And dogs, dogs do a lot of work, he says. Eva neman ladonov, man's best friend, faithful servant. They guard the house from lions, from thieves, day and night. Even though they don't do a mice, he says, they don't actually, you know, even if you're not dealing with a dog that bites and tears and rends, he says, but Akimasvasov, Harisis Lashano, barking. Barking is work too, he says. The dog works hard. He barks at the he barks at the postman. Well, I mean, that's not necessarily the work, but he barks at people who need to be barked at. That's also a mice, he says. So therefore, good. The dogs and the cats provide you with valuable services, he says. And therefore, the halacha is that even if you assume it's, it's, it's reciprocation for economic value, it applies to dogs and cats as well. Of course, today, 
the many dogs and cats do not provide much economic value. Baruch Hashem, most of our houses don't have mice and uh, dogs, you know, some dogs, uh, I guess all dogs are capable of barking furiously at neighbors, but, uh, barking furiously at intruders, but all right, you can debate whether modern cats and dogs are, uh, provide economic value. What about our chickens? Our chickens lay eggs. We eat the eggs. The eggs are good to eat. So that would be economic value as well. A Kalpan Rabbi Yaakov Amdin seems to be willing to define the, 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 the idea of reciprocity pretty broadly and say that if they provide you significant economic value, then, then, you, then you, can, you can feed them. Furthermore, that, 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 then you have to feed them first. Furthermore, he argues that Chazal, there are various Gemaras and Shabbos that indicate that any animal that's Mizanos of Alecha, any animal that depends on you for food, that needs you to help it find food, it can't forage and provide for itself. Chazal consider that your responsibility, and they allowed you to do certain things on Shabbos that you wouldn't be able to do for a wild dog. So basically, he says he thinks that you know he thinks that limiting this halacha only to to, to cows that, that pull plows is too narrow. He says he thinks the halacha should should apply to cats and dogs as well, and he thinks you can make a good case for the for the idea for the idea that the that there is a chiv to feed them first. Then he turns around, though, and says that, that he says, nevertheless, he says, it's not really a chiv gummer like with a real beast of burden like an ox or a horse, he says. It's not quite the same thing. They provide some economic value, but it's hardly the same thing as a, as a cow or a horse. And, it's, and we don't have to be so machbid, he says, to feed them first. And he says that the... That he says at the, end, at the end of the day, he says, he says nevertheless, he says, he says that, that, that another argument why, why there's not such a strong chiyuv, he says, is because the cows and the, the big animals depend on you. They, they, they can't fend for themselves. I mean, cows can graze if they have pasture, but commonly, he says, cows need you. They, they need you to feed them, he says. Otherwise, if you don't feed them regularly, they'll die of hunger. However, he says that the cats and the dogs, in particular, he argues, they can fend for themselves. He says the, he says that the cats... They can eat all kinds of things. They can eat the mice, he says. They can, uh, they can, the, the cats can eat all kinds of scraps. The dogs, they don't need that much, he says. He argues that because cats and dogs are at least quasi-independent in terms of the food that they need, he says that we, we can make an argument that Mi'ikra Din, it's, uh, it may not be so compelling to feed them first. So he kind of wavers on this. He says that even if we'll argue they have economic value, he says, uh, he says, but, 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 but uh, they don't need you as much as other animals do. So he raises that as an argument against there being an absolute chiyuv to feed them first. Mikal Makam, he says, Efshir nachon l'medaktek l'maysav l'akdimon gamkin. He says that someone who is medaktek, someone who is uh, meticulous about, about what he does, will feed even, the, feed even the, the cats and the dogs first. Again, I don't know so much about chickens. The chickens certainly do find things that they like to eat on the ground. They spend a lot of their day wandering around, pecking at stuff on the ground. Apparently they like cicadas a lot, although unfortunately for them the season is ending. They eat other bugs and who knows what they find on the ground. So I don't actually know whether the amount of food the chicken can forage for itself would, uh, would, would, would suffice, according to Rav Yaakov Emden, to eliminate it from the category of chiyuv and reduce it to the category of only midas chasidus, medaktik v'maysav, Regardless, it is recommended that you feed the, even these other animals first, even the ones that can fend for themselves to some extent, even the ones that have less economic value than the cows and the horses. 
That's the recommended conclusion that ultimately this, this whole halacha is based on Tzar Balechayim. Insofar as there is Tzar Balechayim, you should, uh, then you need to feed them first. And therefore, again, he says it might not be a strict chiyuv, but he, th- but he recommends it. He recommends that you feed them first. He adds one last point. He says, the Gemara in Gittin, the Gemara says we have a chiddush kafel. We have a, a double chiddush in the extent to which this halacha binds you. The story there was, Gneva, the, Gneva was the guest. Gneva was the name of the guest. They, his host offered him something to eat, and he says, I can't eat because I didn't feed my animal yet. So you see from here, he says, even someone who's not home can't eat until, until he feeds his animal, and he can't even do tima. He, takes, he, he says the taz is wrong. He, even tima is usher. He sides with the base Yosef. Even tima is usher, even when you're not home. You're a guest in someone's house for Shabbos. You're about to eat, and you say, my dog. I left my dog home. I didn't feed him. You can't eat until you feed the dog, he says, because that's what you see. Gneva was a guest in someone else's house. He still said, I can't eat until I feed my animal. So you see that even when you're at someone else's house, he says, Imkain, Misha Yeshlo, Behema, someone who has an animal, is not allowed to be a guest at someone else's house at all. He can't eat anything. And he can't be time clum. He can't, he can't have a piece of cake at someone else's house as long as he hasn't first fed his animal. Uh, a very strict halacha. Again, I don't know what the minig is. I don't know how strict people are about this whether someone goes out to eat a meal at a friend on Shabbos and leaves his dog home, whether he's, gonna have to, whether, he's, whether he's supposed to be strict and not eat anything until he makes sure that he left his dog with uh, a bowl full of food. Again, we have the earlier machlokas we mentioned, Ferris Israel, Ferris Yaakov, whether this applies to every single meal you eat or only at the animal schedule feeding times, you have to feed him according to his normal schedule. I'll call upon him, this is a... This issue is not discussed heavily in the Shulchan Aruch. It's not in the Shulchan Aruch at all, really. It's not in the... It's only discussed kind of in miscellaneous chuvas, but this is a, this is a real issue. According to many, some post it's Daraisa, according to many post at least Drabanan, this is a, this is a real mitzvah. According to everyone, it is Darche uh, Chasidus. This is a major Torah value of Tzar Balechayim. When you have an animal, you're, they're your dependents. You're responsible for them. They, they, they might be, uh, they're not human. They, you can check them and eat them. But at the end of the day, you have responsibilities to them as well. Rebekah Emden throws in, it's to inculcate good midos in yourselves. This is an idea of some Rishonim and Achronim. We don't care about the animals per se. It's just meant to inculcate good midos in you. But whatever it is, Tzar Balachayim is a real thing, a serious thing. It's reflected in this halacha that you shouldn't be eating until you feed your animals. And uh, the parameters are not so well defined, whether they apply to all animals, some animals, animals that have economic value, animals that are dependent on you. But, but, but potentially they apply to all animals, uh, and, and even, even chickens. And you have to be careful then that anytime you sit down to eat, if you want to be machmer, if you want to go, if you want to, if you want to follow this midas hasidus, at least, anytime you sit down to eat, you should first check and make sure that your animals have the food that they need.